Oh, there we go. I think we are live. How you making, Bone Gang? And welcome to the very first Pelican Bone Outdoors podcast. We got Alex Rudd with us today. What's going on, my man? Dude, I'm so excited. I just can't even stand it. I love a podcast. I love a live stream. This is like... I do have to say that podcasting is 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 like carved out a special place in my heart. I love a good just conversation. This is probably one of my favorite things to do as far as content goes. So I'm very excited for tonight. Yeah, I, well, it's your fault that I started this. You uh, kind of yeah. encouraged me, and then when I was on yours, man, it was it's just like two dudes hanging out, uh-huh. and that's uh, and that's what I want to keep it. I don't want to uh, I don't want to get you know too serious about it. I don't want to like script anything. I just want to get people on here and and hang out and this is a good place too for people to uh to see the the background of us youtubers and and social media people you know you see us on the videos but it's a good place to to talk about what goes on behind the scenes and absolutely and i can promise you i'm i'm as ugly in real life as i am on content so don't be uh don't just be disappointed you know it's it's the same amount of ugliness that you're gonna get here that you get on regular youtube videos can't fix ugly yeah (laughs) no not at all not at all so dude i seen you went to north carolina actually i just watched the video where you got uh where your buddy got a hook caught in the back of his head yeah that was fun you, you caught your first that was your first redfish ever 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 dude Uh, man i'll tell you right now that was probably one of the most incredible things that i have ever done like that was just insane and so i obviously have more videos coming out right first day was we drove two and a half hours north of where um i was staying at and and judd like you know prefaced the entire trip by saying hey listen this is one of those things where we're gonna drive two and a half hours up north and we're going to get like three or four chances. And if we capitalize on one of them, you're going to catch the biggest redfish of your life. And I was like, all right, bro, full send. Like, let's, let's let her rock. Let's let her go. And I mean, dude, we sent it, you know, got up at three o'clock in the morning, drove up there. And I mean, dude, he was right. Like, you know, we were stopped on probably the second spot throwing a big popping cork is what we were throwing. And uh, I was throwing this big Berkeley mullet thing out behind. It was crazy looking. It was like green pumpkin. It was, I think it was called carp, copper chartreuse. And so it was like this like green pumpkin copper looking thing with this big chartreuse tail. And uh, I was like, I was like, so what do I do with this thing? Like just pop the shit out of it. And they, it, <laughs> and like literally Judd goes, yeah, you just pop the shit out of it. And I was like, all right, cool. So we like, we pull up on the second spot. And we were like idling around and, and the guy that we were with was like, there's one right there. One just rolled. And we're like, boss up. So we troll motor over there. I make like three casts. And on the third cast, I go to pop it and ain't no popping. It's gone. And I mean, dude, just screaming. I mean, screaming drag. And just, I I told, I told Judd by the end of the three days, I was down there for three days. So we got to do the popping cork thing. We got to do some topwater stuff with redfish, and then we got to do some sight fishing for redfish, like tailing and, you know, like pushing up in the shallows and mm-hmm. stuff. I said after those three days that I would literally give up freshwater fishing tomorrow to go do it. I mean, dude, there is like... Nothing that like is, it. Dude, there's not. I mean, they eat like a bass, and they fight like a a, a cow. Like, I mean, it's like I, if I hooked a cow with a spook, that's what I imagine the fight would be like, dude. It is just ridiculously fun. So, uh, like in the saltwater world, I find at least around here, there's 
there's two people. There's the redfish people and the speckle trout. Yeah. So speckle yeah. trout, speckle trout is fun because you can get on a mess of them and like every cast you're reeling them in. Yeah. But to me, you just can't beat the fight of a red pound for pound. That's got to be the hardest fighting fish I've ever caught for sure. Oh, dude. I mean, they just dog and dog and like they don't ever give up. But what is funny about them is like, you know, after a few, like I, I let Judd grab the first few. And then I told Judd, I was like, listen, dude, I, I'm going to grab this fish. Like I can grab a hold of this thing myself. And he's like, all right, cool. And so like I started grabbing a hold of them. But what was funny is like you would as soon as you touch their belly, they're like done. Like it's yeah. the funniest <laughs> thing. Like you think like, dude, this thing is dogged me and dogged me and dogged me and dogged me. But like, as soon as I just like put my hand on the stomach, it's like, all right, I'm good. Well, like there's still hope until that point. Yeah. <laughs> he's yeah, like, oh, yeah. well, yeah, he's like, ah, oh, well, you know, you've got my stomach now. We're all good. But yeah, dude, I mean, in the top water blow ups. Oh, oh they hit. I love, oh, I love a redfish top water. They hit it so hard. Yeah. I had about a 30 incher eat a spook. And dude, I mean, just sharked it. Like all I saw was wake and then just saw the mouth and he just like T-boned a spook. And oh my word, man. I mean, this is fun. They'll miss it a lot with the uh, top water. I don't know how many misses you had with it, but there are, if you look at a redfish, a bass's mouth is kind of pointed up. Yeah. If you look at a redfish, it's it's the opposite. Yeah. The the redfish kind of have that uh, mouth pointing down. So I like when I fish a lot of top water, I like ones that kind of sit low on the back end. Yes. And sometimes they'll miss it. You just pop it one more time and let it let it sink a little bit and they'll they'll catch it on that second go. But yeah, it's usually they, a loud pop when they hit it. Yeah. Oh, I mean like they just would wreck it. I mean like, it's just I was lucky. Every topwater hit that I had, I hooked up with them. Um didn't get many. I think we only ended up getting like three or four bites on it total. Um Bethany ended up catching a flounder on top water, which was pretty cool. That was interesting. What? Yeah. He Judd said it was only like the fifth time he'd ever seen it happen. Um, but dude, I mean, just I love it. I'm in love with it. Like I fell immediately in love with the sight fishing thing is really like kind of what put the oh, yeah. like the cherry on top of the the cake for me. Like, dude, that sight fishing deal is just it's off the chain. Because like you're literally, you know watching these fish with their heads almost completely out of the water swimming down the bank and their shrimp <laughs> just going everywhere and like you just got it's so precision and so technical that's what i liked about it like you had to wait till they got right in the right position you had to make the right cat or you'd spook like you know i blew out a big redfish because i spooked them. but like once i got it down much i had to lead them where to put the bait when to mm-hmm. hop it Dude, it was over after that, and I just started cracking them. And I mean, dude, it was just so much fun. How was the water over there? Is it clean water, or was it murky over there in North um, Carolina? It's, it's well, where we caught the big ones at was like looked like tea. I mean, it was like yeah. just dark tea color water. You know, probably six inches of visibility. Um, the water where we did a lot of the sight fishing at was dark until the tide started to go out. You know, and when the tide was as low as it was, it was still hard to see the redfish if they weren't up pushing and making those wakes. Like, like I would have them swim down the bank in front of me, and all I would see was the wake and the shrimp jumping out of the water. I wouldn't actually see the body of the redfish. And so, it, you know, it kind of depended. But then there was some water that we got into that, I could see all the way to the bottom and I could see them swimming around and see the crabs and the flounders and the stingrays and everything else up there. And, you know, yeah, I need to go, I need to go fishing somewhere else for redfish other than Louisiana. Cause that's, that's all I've ever done. And, uh, 
they say it's different in every state. I don't know how true that is, but yeah. Well, um, the guys that I fished with, all of them were guides, and uh, all of them were talking about how good Louisiana red fishing is, and like they were all very uh, just like, dude, jealous. you got to go to yeah, <laughs> jealous. Like you got to go to Louisiana, you got to go to Louisiana, you got to go to Louisiana, and I was like, yeah, okay, well, let's go to. I, I've actually know somebody that lives uh, there, so we'll I'm go, waiting, to, man. Yeah, you got a we'll spot go open whenever you're ready. Yeah, but dude, they were just talking about like how down there that like you know the redfish that i caught while i was red fishing and doing the sight fishing thing most of those fish were 20 25 inches long mm-hmm. you know like i caught a couple 30 inches but not many what they, they were telling me about louisiana is that like you can sight fish for the 40 inches and i was like i could not even imagine a fish that big down the bank and throwing at it and like i would like it's that's incredible oh, whenever you're ready man oh i'm down dude I, I, we seriously need to get some dates on the calendar like i'm <laughs> I'm, to, I'm ready we need to start planning now and you need to come down in august for the ride the bull kayak tournament okay it's the largest kayak fishing tournament in the world uh-huh. and it's down in grand isle south of me uh-huh. and you fish in this pass i think they caught over 100 redfish this this year they had a good a good year for it yeah and it's all bull reds big reds like you was catching but in a kayak mm-hmm. and there's just hundreds of people out there and just dropping lines man i do i couldn't even imagine hooking something like that in a kayak i don't even know what you would do with it like but other than just you hold ride. on that's why they call it ride the bull because that's what you're doing <laughs> you just you have the mercy on. of him yep <laughs> Dude, uh, the biggest awesome. one i caught in my kayak was a 34 inch i think and wow. they just I mean, you fishing that light tackle like that, they take you, you just rot it till they get tired enough for you to be able to get them to your boat. Oh yeah. Like wherever they want to go. And that was, that was another fun part about the whole deal was light tackle. I mean, because like, dude, we were using seven foot medium rods, six foot, you know, six foot, six, six foot, nine medium rods, 20 pound braid to a 20 pound fluorocarbon leader. And like, dude, when you would hook one, I mean, I caught a 42 inch redfish on a seven foot medium spinner rod. <laughs> that's just like, that's yep. it. That's where it's at, dude. This it is so much fun. So like fun. I see, I see those offshore guys. I've never been, I've never fished offshore, but they fished them. I mean, that heavy tackle, they're just yanking on them fish like that. Yeah. But I mean, the way to go is catch one of them redfish on that light tackle. And you just gotta, you gotta work it. You gotta know how much drag you can put on it without it popping and uh-huh. let it rip. That's right. Just let her rip tater chip. I mean, just let her chew, Mr. Magoo. Like, ah, oh, dude, it's, I had an extreme amount of fun. If you can't tell, like, dude, it's, I, I love too, man. Any, any time when I can just experience something brand new like that, you know what I mean? Like that was something I had hooked a redfish before, you know, I had seen redfish before, but I had never really like purpose driven, gone out, caught a redfish and like, tried to put one into the boat like i just like fun like oh i'm gonna go catch a redfish <laughs> you know i would hook them and they would come off and stuff like that but like to just like purpose driven go out and do that style of fishing was just an extreme amount of fun because it really like opened my eyes to just a completely different mindset as far as fishing goes and like <clears throat> you know one thing in bass fishing and you know this because you bass fish it's like, dude, our gear is kind of almost ridiculous, you know, and there's oh, yeah. reasons for it. Like, you know, when we're grass fishing and stuff, of course, you got to like have the gear to get them out of the grass and all that. But like for the most part, 
we don't need as heavy of gear as we use. And like, that was one thing that the, that Judd was like, we went out with a buddy of his, that's actually works under Judd as, as one of his guides. And Jeb was like, um, tell him, tell him what you throw a frog on. And I was like a seven, four heavy fast action casting rod with 65 pound braid. And he just like looked at me like, are you kidding me? And I'm like, no, that's like what I use. And he's like, he's like, it's just absolutely ridiculous. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's just cool to kind of hear. It's like, you know, I, I think, go ahead. I think we overdo it. Well, in the bass world, it's, it's just not necessary, but then again, that's, it's part of the fun of doing it. It's, you know, first you get into catching the fish yes, and then you get into, wow, this is fun figuring out different gear. What, you know, what gives you that little bit of it, more of an advantage, what feels Mm -hmm. a little bit better. And I think that's what we fall in love with because honestly, I can take a medium heavy, uh, about a six, five to a seven gear ratio reel uh-huh. slap 30 pound, uh, braid and whatever I decide that day for a leader. Uh-huh. And I can go catch anything anywhere. Yes. And I mean, I'm talking about saltwater, freshwater, any, that's the only stick I need. Yep. Yep. But what's, but what's the fun in that? You know, you yeah. get one, you're like, Oh, I love this. Let me go get another one. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I think other than anything for me, you know, like I, I, I enjoy specific things in bass fishing and I, and I think that's what was so fun to me about the red fishing deal is it's like, it's the simplicity of red fishing. Like you need a spinning rod with braid on it with a leader. And on that rod, you can throw a topwater and a DOA shrimp and a little bitty swim bait and like all popping cork and all the crap that you'll need to catch a redfish. Mm-hmm. And it's like really out of those four things, it's about it. Like it's what you get redfish on. It's what you get speckled trout on. It's what you catch flounder on. It's what you catch bluefish on. It's what you catch anything that swims out there. You can catch it on, you know, one of those four things. Whereas like bass fishing, I like like specifically going and targeting like grass fish. Right. Like grass mats, frog fishing in the mats. I also like specifically going and targeting, you know, like dock fishing and stuff like that and and i have specific things to go accomplish those specific types of fishing and i think it's because bass fishing as a whole is so much more diverse than any other type of fishing that you can have a specificity to what you like within Mm -hmm. bass fishing where it's like red fishing it's just like this is what it is like this is what what they eat all the time almost and like and if you get really desperate you just put a live shrimp on there and go to town on them like you know it's just like that simplistic of a of a fish to go catch well i don't know in north carolina well i don't know if any other place other than louisiana has spots like brackish to where you can catch bass and redfish and speckled trout all in the same the same hole but yeah. we got i mean one of my favorite things to do they got an area out in hopedale there's this pond that i like to fish and i can i can cast towards the bank and catch redfish and bass and then catch out cast out towards the middle and catch speckled trout just depending on what time of year it is yeah, and things like that they have i mean it's a flat and they got they'll have grass you know in the summertime so you can almost do the same thing there because you, you're you're kind of still fishing for bass because there's bass there and then almost accidentally catching redfish or vice versa yeah so yeah, and that's cool that one thing i kind of talked to jed about he said you know there's a point at which at where we were fishing that you get far inland that the fresh water starts coming you can start catching bass with redfish mm-hmm. yeah and he said, like, there's a place in Alabama I've gone and done that as well. And, I, dude, I think that would be cool, 
cooler than anything. It's like any swing, you don't know what the heck it's going to be. Like, you know, you're set up to go flipping, but like you could crack a 30 inch redfish. And I mean, do like flipping in on something and cracking a 30 inch redfish while you're also catching like three and four pound largemouth. Dude, stick a fork in me. That's the place I yes, want to go. Like that's, that's it right there. Well, when you come down, I got a, I got a spot for you. Cause, uh, I'm not going to say the name of it on here in case local folks are listening. Yeah. Uh, but man, it's when I, I used to go out there and only throw them back because I already had a bull in the boat and I, you can only keep one. And you very rarely threw back undersized reds. And then especially in the springtime, yeah. you throw it by a stump and you're pulling out. I mean, granted, we don't have huge bass here, but you know, yeah. two pounds is a decent bass over here. Yeah. But you'll pull those out in them grass mats. It's it's awesome. It's my favorite place to go fishing. I took Frank oh, out there man. one time. My buddy Frank, my neighbor, he's on here. Oh, old Frank. Yep. Frank getting it done. Yeah, dude, that sounds just like a blast to me. There's a there's a place that me and Bethany we go in vacation. It's Orange Beach, Alabama, is where it's at. And uh, there's actually a lake right next to the beach. And the it's a it's a I think it's called Shelby Lake is what it's called. And it's really cool because it's the only lake in the world that is that close to saltwater. So, like, literally, dude, like, I can walk 40 yards across the street and be in the ocean. Wow. And then you can walk 40 yards back across the street and be in a fully freshwater lake. And so there's a saltwater, like, creek that flows into one end of the lake, but because the you know, the lake is big enough that it can actually push the, the salt water out. It just keeps that salt water at bay unless there's, hmm. you know, like uh, a hurricane or something. Right. Right. And like, so what's really cool about that place is it's one of those places like that where you can go catch the largemouth aren't that big just because there is just a amount of salinity. I think that keeps those largemouth from get really big, but I mean, dude, any swing, it could be a redfish or a speckled trout or, a freaking bull shark like dude there was a bull shark swimming around like in there that i saw one day there's alligators i mean there's just so much stuff you know what i mean and i, I don't know dude that's cool to me like i love i love that biodiversity like that where you're there's no telling what you're gonna run into when you're gonna run into it i mean it's just such a i don't know dude that's cool man i mean it's just it's so cool i think some people what gets me about fishing more than anything is like so many people just get caught up in like this singular type of fishing, you know, mm -hmm. like I like to do this thing. Not me. I'm an angler. Like if yep. it swims, I want to try to catch it. Like we had this conversation last time. I was like eating things too and killing things. It's like right. the number one question I ask myself is wonder what that tastes like. And it's like, I, it's like, I see a fish swimming around. I'm like, wonder how I could get that thing to bite. Like what makes a, I don't know, tarpon eat. Like, and that was like the questions. Like, I probably drove Judd crazy. But like, every fish he mentioned, I'm like, <laughs> how's that? What's thing? it? Eat? Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, how's that? Taste? Uh, but it, like, it, it's, uh, it's a very similar question. It's like, so what's it eat? Like, how do you catch it? So what do you do? You know what I mean? It's like, and that's what fascinates me is like, saltwater has such a diversity that there's so many different things to catch and there's so many different ways to catch them that I think that's what makes saltwater even more fascinating. It's just, it's not as accessible. And then, and then you mix it with brackish water and ain't no telling what you're pulling out. No, no just like total insanity ensues at that point. Right. I mean, yep. like, I don't know, dude, we did see an absolutely ginormous alligator though. Like probably the alligator I 
second of my life. It was freaking enormous. I didn't even know they got that big in North Carolina. But old boy was a dinosaur. Like, we were in a 14-foot flats, like, skiff, and he was bigger than the skiff. He yeah, was that's huge. A big boy. Dude, his damn head. I mean, like, he looked like a dinosaur. Like, when, he, like, when we went by it, Judd goes, there's an alligator. I look over at said alligator, and I was like, no, Judd, that's a Tyrannosaurus Rex. <laughs> I was like, that is not a normal alligator. And I was like, that thing could eat me, you, and everybody else that it wanted to. I was like, that's like Lake Placid. That's huge. Speaking of alligators, me and uh, Frank are going alligator hunting. Uh, I guess it'll be a couple weeks from now. He uh, he drew the tags for some some public land, but uh, unfortunately, we were reading the rules and they won't let us film that on the public land. You have really? To have, yep. I'm not sure why, but it specifically says whoever has the the license and the tags cannot be on. Uh, reality television or any kind of television show, and it says even the film you have to get special permission. Well, if it's on TV, what if it's just content creation? Like YouTube and TV are two vastly yeah, different things. Well, after it, after it said the TV, it talked about filming in general. Huh. So we had to get special permission to even video it. That's very interesting. I would like to have a conversation with somebody about that and understand. As to why that is a uh, a thing, it's probably that right there. Swamp See. people, <laughs> dead Jim Swamp people. Mm-hmm. I actually met that guy one time. I met him at iCast one year. Which one? The uh, Landry guy. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's an interesting guy. Uh, I didn't even re- know it was him. Somebody introduced me to him, and I was like, "Oh yeah, you're the alligator guy." And he's like. Yeah, I'm the alligator guy, and I was like, "All right, cool. You're the alligator guy," and that was that was the extent of our that conversation. Was the extent of it, huh? Yeah, yeah. He he does probably doesn't remember me at all, and I kind of didn't remember him until somebody brought it up, and I was like, "Oh yeah, shoot him, Troy, shoot him." Yeah, I know that guy. <laughs> that's that's about all I remember. Speaking of uh, what that tastes like, I smoked some Nutra today for the first time. Yeah, and it came time. out divine. You said divine. So what's divine. a okay? I have two questions. What is what is the function of her, like hunting an alligator? Like how do you go about hunting an alligator? You like so I know I've seen people do it where like they go like a re- really heavy rod and like mm-hmm. like essentially just hook them, bring them upside the boat, and shoot them in the head. How are you guys going to be doing it? We. I- I don't even know. I wonder if that's legal in Louisiana. I'm not really sure how all that works. Uh, the way we're going to be doing it is we're going to take a ginormous hook. We're going to bait it with some chicken and we're going to dangle it over the water by like a tree and tie it to a tree. Yeah. We'll do that the day before. Yeah. And then leave it overnight. We'll go out the next morning and uh, said hook with the chicken on it. Shouldn't be dangling anymore. It'll be, you'll see the line in the water and then we'll go pull that line up till he surfaces and then, Pop them in the back of the head with a twenty-two and slap them in the boat. So, so then an alligator. I've ate an alligator. They are good. It's they like fishy chicken is what I yes. describe it as. It's like fishy chicken, and uh, we usually eat them on. Uh, usually this this coming week, um, no, the next week. The next week is normally when we eat alligator here in East Tennessee because that's when we play the uh, Florida Gators. So oh, we okay. always eat it. There's Makes always sense. a big order for alligators when we play the Florida Gators just because, you know, you just got to do that. But I don't know if we're playing uh, Florida the third week this year. They got our schedule all jacked up. Like normally third week of October is Alabama, and we don't got Alabama the third week of October, and it kind of hurts my heart because 
they've been the third week of October for as long as I can remember, as long as I've been alive. And so it's kind of got my tradition. I'm telling you, they are. Maybe that means that we're going to win some games or something. You know what I mean? At least <laughs> maybe we had that going for us. Well, LSU had a tough loss. Yeah, they did. Weekend. I actually stayed up and watched that one. That one was uh, that was good. I mean, dude, that that was a good game as far as just like if you wanted to watch a really good game and like watch two teams duke it out. You know, it was good, but it uh, it sucked to see LSU lose because if I got it, I'm always going to DC. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, to be honest, with you, I didn't even watch it. I don't even know what I was doing. I was doing something, and I couldn't watch it. I just miss Ed Orgeron so much. Go Tigers! Go, yeah, the, I mean, voice, like, the voice. Yeah, the, this, this is just it. This is Go Tigers! Everything. I'm, Go Tigers! I have to see if I can't get a hold of him and have him voice over some of my videos. There you go, dude. Could you imagine? All right, Vince is going out here, and he's going. He's going to shoot this alligator in the head. Go Tigers! I'd be able to go full time tomorrow if I can do that. Absolutely. My subscriber count would would. Speaking of sub- uh, subscriber account, dude, 49K, you're almost to the big 50. Almost there, brother. Almost there. We are dude, etching our awesome. way closer and closer, man. Uh, YouTube is hard to gain subscribers on. It ain't like it used to be. I mean, you used to get like a 1,000 subscribers a month, and that's slowed way, way down. But uh, we're just going to keep grinding away, brother. I'm telling you. I'm I, I, Me and Ben had a conversation the other day. I said, I'm making the content that I love. I'm enjoying everything that I'm putting out. And uh I'm just going to keep on keeping on, man. That's all you can do. Got to. You'll burn out trying to do stuff you're not interested in. Exactly. Exactly. And I think so many people get caught up in trying to make the thing that, you know, you know, they'll find something that's successful. And and obviously they're going to try to repeat that success over and over and over again. Right. And I think that that's a great plan, I think. But sometimes, though, if it's not something that you enjoy, that, yeah, it may be super successful, but at the end of the day, is success worth your happiness? And in, in my mind, success is, you know, there's a certain level of success that, that you, uh, you sacrifice for in a certain way, but there's another level of success where it's just not worth being happy in what I'm making. And I'm enjoying the content that I'm making right now. And I think people are too. And so we're just going to we'll stay after it. I'm enjoying it, especially when people get hooked in the back of the head. Dude, no kidding, right? Poor Judd, dude. Me, me and him have got a bad record. Like a bad, bad record. So last time I was with Judd, I broke my leg. Um and got that was a hook on a in deep my sea shirt. That was on a deep that sea was trip, on a, That was the first day. Like he goes, Hey, listen, I got a buddy. We're going deep sea fishing. I was like, awesome. Sounds good. And we went deep sea fishing, and your boy freaking broke his leg and so that wasn't good got a hook through my finger i mean dude it was just on the same trip it was a rough trip oh dude no at the same time so so what <laughs> happened was so what happened i didn't do a very good job in the video That's explaining awesome. what happened and, and the reason i didn't do a very good job in the video explaining what happened as well because i mean the last thing that i was thinking about is hey let me try to record my leg being broke you know what i mean i probably should have done a better job of that but whatever but anyway, so what happened is we're in this giant, like, offshore boat, right? This thing is, you know, freaking huge. I think it's called a Freeman is what they're called. So, like, whenever I say that around people who, like, know saltwater boats, they're always like, oh, my God. But yeah, it's I have no a, idea. Yeah, it's like a 42-foot Freeman is, is, is what it was called. And so we get out, like, deep ocean, dude. The freaking waves are rolling. I'm talking these bad boys are big ones like we're going in them losing horizon sight and coming back out of them well this old boy like drove this boat like he stole it 
And so we're going, and we go up this wave, and the back of the boat just drops onto this wave. Oh, excuse me, off the end. It does. It pretty much puts me into a free fall. Like, I like literally, like, everything on the center console, you got to imagine this thing has an enormous center console. These hooks, mackerel rigs, like, float up into my face. Well, what's the natural thing that you do when you got hooks coming at your face? You put your hands up. Block them well, with I let hands. go, put my hands up, and literally do, like, I'm floating. Like, I floated I floated in the air for a solid two and a half seconds. Like, that's how long we free-fogged. And, I mean, dude, then the boat, I didn't go down to the boat. The boat came back up to me. And, dude, I mean, just, bah, I hit so hard. Broke my leg. But I had my two, my pointer finger and my middle finger on this hand, my right hand, literally pinned together with a, like, two-watt awesome. mackerel rig treble hook. <laughs> so I'm looking at my finger going – I've got a hook in my finger. That's what I was concerned with. So I tried to pull them apart. And when I did, I didn't realize the other one had gone into the other finger. So I literally ripped the hook out of one finger. By doing that, I went ahead and pulled the barb all the way through. So that was good. So we clip it off. We get it out. And I'm like, they're like, you good? I'm like, I'm good. I'm good. And I go to stand up and my leg doesn't work. <laughs> and I'm like, oh shit. Like I'm, I'm really screwed up. I was like, man, I've just strained it bad. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. Dude, I tried to convince myself I was okay. My leg looked like a football. Like, it swelled up so bad. I lost feeling in my toes, and I was like, all right, it's broke. I got to go. So we drive home all the way to Knoxville and, like, get to Knoxville, and I go to the, the orthopedic clinic, and they're like, no, dude, your foot's not broke. It's just a bad sprain, just a bad sprain, but we're going to x-ray it just to make sure. I mean, like, dude, they had me hopped up like that. I just had a bad sprain. And they come walking in. The doctor literally goes, well, I was wrong. It's broke. We're going to cast it right now. And I was nice. like, ugh. And so eight and a half weeks later, I finally could walk around and, you know, is what it is. So, so this has got me thinking. I just watched a video where your buddy gets hooked in the back of the head. Yes. You're telling me you broke your leg and got hooked. Yes. And then I know I've watched another video where your dad got hooked. Yes. I don't know if I want to go fishing with you. Uh, no, dude. Here's the deal, though. Here's what you got to understand is if you do get hooked, I'm really good at getting hooks out. I, so you're going to be just fine. Too. Yeah. I mean, like, dude, I am the ultimate hook removal guy. Dad's hand, hand the, the hook that got in his hand kind of freaked me out, to be totally honest with you, because it hit a nerve and like his hand suited, like holding his hand. As soon as you take pressure off the skin and start going, yeah. and like you know, I don't want to rip that out. But anything else, if you ain't shaking uncontrollably, I'm ripping it out of you. And then that doctor, he he dug it, the, the oh, pliers that he used. He brutalized. Like, didn't, he, didn't he broke break a pair of uh, pliers first? He and did. He got a different pair. And I warned him. I was like, dude, you're not going to be able to cut that hook. And he's like, oh, these will cut that hook. And I'm like, no, that's a four x. Gamagatsu hook. I was like, you're not going to cut that hook. He's like, oh, I can do it. And I was like, all right, whatever. So he breaks the one pair, and then they finally went and got like some, it's like these snips that they use to, I don't know what they do with them. These big ass like like bronze snips, and he finally br brought it in there and, and cut it. But but he didn't even cut the barb. No, no, he left the barb. I, 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 I noticed I, that on the video. I looked at, I sent you a picture, didn't I? Yeah. 
they yeah. they cut the tip of the the hook, but didn't cut the barb. So he could have just yanked it out anyway. Yeah, yeah, I do. That was that was a rough day. That was a rough day. Like that was a rough day overall. It was a good video though. I mean, like you know, in the grand scheme of of videos, that one did really well for me. So <laughs> help me out, help me out, man. I'm people, hoping this video. People love to see people get hurt. Oh, dude, I, I'm telling you, everybody comes to watch you fall, son. Even if that means getting yeah. a hook right in your ass, it, it, they, they come to watch it. I got a hook stuck in my finger. I was, man, I had to be, I was young. I was yeah. really young. And my uncle had a hunting camp out in Alabama. Mm-hmm. And they had a lake, a nice lake out on the uh, on the property. So we went, had to be there in the spring. Beautiful. They had a, a bald eagle's nest on there. I, like in the morning, you come out and the two eagles come out the nest. And they're like a foot off the, the water. Just It was just gorgeous out there. Yeah. So, yes. We put on like these little flukes and we go out there and we're just, we're fishing fast. And I mean, we're, we're cranking them in like one after the other. It was, the bite was ridiculous. Yeah. So yeah. we switched over to a crankbait. I'm fishing with the crankbait. I hook one, I get him in the boat. And when I go to take the bait out, he shakes. And as he shakes, the hook comes out of him and right into my ring finger and the fingertip. Ugh. So Oof. I'm young, I'm freaking out, you know, I'm, I'm getting yeah. all anxious. And oh everything, God, so. I'm dead. Yeah. <laughs> I'm dying. I'm so, dying. So the way the hook was in there, it was the, a treble hook. And one of the hooks was all the way in my finger. So you couldn't Ugh. push it any further to get the barb out and the barb yeah. end wasn't sticking out. So there was nothing. I mean, there yeah. was really nothing we could do. So yeah, yeah, we go back to the camp. He has, it, it, he's a jokester. Uh, yeah, yeah, my yeah. family tends to be that and he uh he yeah. hands me this thing while i have this hook in my finger mind you he hands me this copper tubing and says this is a turkey call he's like i want you to blow on it as hard as you can just see this you know this turkey call now mind you, this is before we go to the hospital right so i'll blow on this this turkey call and flour comes out the other end and just covers my whole face and body with flour it was just he, he wanted to give a practical joke while I have this hook in my finger. It's like before we go to the hospital, yeah, I'm let me show you something you just a little bit more. Like, come uh, on now, dude. Come on. Oh, to make it worse, great. we go to a hospital that's no bigger than my house. I mean, this little oh yeah, yeah. This little Podunk, doc- Alabama. Yeah. 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 So I go in there, the doctor wants to numb my finger, so he gives me the shots. He puts one on each side of my knuckle. Now the hook's at the tip of my finger. So he comes in there. He pokes the tip of my finger with his knife. He's like, you feel that? I'm like, yeah. He's like, all right. He leaves. He comes back. He pokes it again. Do you feel that? I'm like, yeah. He's like, it's your imagination. Turn your head. And he goes to cutting on my finger. Felt every bit of it. So my uncle looked him in the eyes like, no, you need to do something. So they finally gave me another shot at the tip of my finger to numb it. They pulled it all out. They were out of the regular stitches, I guess. It looked like shoelaces that they stitched this finger together with, oh. and I still, I still have a scar on the finger. That it was, it was awful. It was awful. That's terrible, dude. That's terrible. Yeah, I, I'm surprised I've not been hooked more than I have. Actually, that hook in my finger was the first time I'd ever been hooked, like actually hooked. Now, my dad almost killed me with a Carolina rig weight one time on Lake Gunnersville. He hit me in the back of the head with about a one ounce Carolina rig Ooh. weight literally shut my lights completely off like dumped me in the bottom of the boat completely and like i wasn't out long i wasn't out long but dude it like hit me just right it was one of those like all it was just like gone this like i like literally like it was this number right here hold on let me go here how how can i 
Uh, I wanted to not leave studio. I just wanted to like drop myself out, just make for practical effect, like black. But seriously, like <laughs> he was like gone, and I was gone. And then I was like woke up, and I was like, "What happened?" He was like, "He's like you okay?" And I'm like, "Yeah, you almost killed me. Like I'm, I'm good, Jeez. but you almost killed me." Yeah, but I've never. Uh, he's he's hit me. He hit me with a spook in the back one time, and it got stuck in my shirt. I've uh, I've hooked him. I didn't hook him. I hooked his jacket with a with a tr- with a crankbait one time. He's hooked himself several times though. I've I've done some hook pulling out. Like I learned I've, the braid trick. I've only been hooked that one time. Uh, I've had you know a couple sticks, but nothing ever past the barb except for that that one time. Come close yeah. a lot fishing in the kayak. When you get that sucker hung up, you go to yanking on it to try and get your bait out, and it come at you the speed of light. Your eye level with it, yeah, yeah. No. And that's the I thing. The I'm waiting for it in the face. Yes, I learned the hard way with a chopo. I had a chopo come by my face about Mach twelve, and I was like, "Don't want that in my face." Like, I'm not going to do that again. Like, I know better than that. You're not that stupid, Alex. <laughs> Yeah, I had him uh, one time. It came pretty close. It ended up sticking in the seat behind me. But it, it sounds like no, a bullet you. flying by. A little zing. Yeah. Yeah, no thank you, Dave. So I got a question for you. You ever almost been shot? Have I ever almost been shot? Like uh, speaking of close calls, like on I've the water had... or in the woods. I've had a bullet zing. I was young. We were riding horses by my grandpa's place, and somebody was shooting at another property, and we heard a, the bullet zing by and hit the barn that we were standing next to. I guess really? that was pretty close. Yeah. So I've heard, like, I've literally heard bullet, you know, zing by my head. But I think that's yeah. probably been, probably been it. I mean, I got some BBs rained on me when you're in the dove field, but oh yeah, I mean, nothing. dude, yeah, I, I I have made the the sore mistake of going to a lake near me i'm not gonna disclose the location because people get all butt hurt when you disclose the location but <laughs> it's a lake near me that a lot of duck hunters go to and uh i made the mistake of one time going there the opening day of goose season which Uh-oh. if you didn't know in the state of tennessee the opening day of goose season was last week so we have like a an early season a middle season a late season and i had no idea that goose season had opened up and I went up there in the parking lot's packed. I'm like, would somebody like tell everybody about this place and like tell the everybody fish the must be biting. No, I was like, <laughs> fish must be biting. So I put the boat in the water and turned the corner. As soon as I turned the corner, dude, it is like World War Three out there. I mean, as soon as the sun breaks the horizon, just two, 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 yeah 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 we got teal season opens up uh this weekend really yeah for the little ones the little fast food ducks fast like the little rice rockets man i hope we get some this year because ducks have been scarce here for a while we uh i've never been into i've never been duck hunting I, i could probably see myself getting into it very easily everybody that i talk to is like dude waterfowl hunting is it's the most it's addictive thing you'll ever do. Yeah. Like my buddy Judd that took redfish and he actually guides um, sea ducks. Like he goes like oh, I'd love offshore. He goes like 20 miles offshore. Oh, never and mind. Like, <laughs> yeah. He goes like 20 miles offshore and shoots <laughs> these sea ducks and diving ducks. And it's like, dude, he loves it. But he's into goose hunting too. He was like, dude, 
I'd rather go goose hunting is to go fishing any day. He's like, I was like, man, I don't know about that. I was like, what if we could just go goose hunting and fishing in the same day? He's like, that's the day to have. That's right. That's right. Which the the geese, man, the geese around here are thick as as the water, dude. They're everywhere. Like we have so many geese. Like I told Judd, I was like, you want to kill a goose? I was like, I can take you to 50 spots that have geese right now. Man, I'm gonna have to come visit you then during the uh during the waterfowl season. Yeah, oh, come on, dude. We They're don't have many geese literally. here, if any. Really? We have like it we actually have like a problem with the Canadian geese. Like there's so many of them. They're freaking everywhere, man. Everywhere. I, I had to go to Kansas to shoot that one, the one behind me. Huh. So is that a is that a snow goose though? Yeah, that's a snow goose. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. We don't have those here. We have like you know, Canadian geese. The actual like, if you got a problem with the Canadian goose, you got a problem with me. Eh? You know, like, those kind of geese. <laughs> hey. hey, yeah, man, duck hunting is it's addictive, and I, I like it. The reason I like duck hunting more than just about any other is it's like a social hunt because gotcha. you, me, and another guy can go sit in the boat. We can talk. We can smoke cigars. We can you know drink our coffee. You can make a little noise. It's no problem. Sitting in yeah. a deer stand, you're usually by yourself. You can barely move your head. Mm-hmm. You're worried about it. Well, unless you hunt like Frank, where he's in like this, uh, you know, high class, uh, freaking cabins that he hunts out of. But <laughs> I like I like being able to hang out and, and talk and do all of that. That's my favorite part of duck hunting. Yeah, see, and that's what like a lot of the guys that I that I talk to that duck hunt, they do that kind of duck hunt like that. They're going and they're cooking breakfast in the blind. Yep. And, you know, I mean, like, it's just, I guess it's like a, you know, it's a social event more than anything. And I, I think, I think that aspect of it would be cool. You know, the whole going out there and freezing your butt completely off and like roughing it to try to kill a duck just for me, I don't think would be where it's at. But I'm also not like, I enjoy hunting, but I'm also not an avid hunter. Now, I'm an avid fisherman. I mean, I'll go out there with, you know, the water freezing up in my guides because. I'm a little stupid, but like when it comes to hunting, I think it's because I'm up and moving around. Like when I'm fishing, I'm moving and I'm doing something, but like to just sit in a tree stand and freeze my butt off. I just, I don't know about well, that. um, it's not really rough in it when I go duck hunting. So yeah, you, I go, I got, I just bought this blind last year. It's the um, beaver tail blind. Real easy uh-huh. to set up. It's on my boat. You pull out there. First of all, it's in a boat. I don't have to get out the boat. So you, you get the launch, you get in the boat, you get to where you're going, you throw your decoys out, you park the boat, get it uh, anchored down. And then all I'll do is flip this blind over the boat. It just flips over and you set up. And they got four little gotcha. portholes at the top that you can unveil and stick your head out of. Uh, I also have my buddy heater with a full-size propane tank in my boat with me so that we can kick the heat on. I usually yeah. have a little Coleman stove. And I got my big thermos of coffee. I mean, I'm it, it's the ride out there. It might ain't be roughing cool. it. No, yeah. the ride out there might be cool, but if I ain't gotta be miserable, why, why you know, why would I want to be? So exactly, exactly. Yeah, see that's that sounds like a ton, dude. That sounds and the thing too, one thing I love about duck season is after duck season is over or during duck season. I normally get like two or three duck decoys a year fishing. Like I'll just be <laughs> driving down the lake and there'll be one floating out in the middle. And I'm like, Hey, there's a duck decoy. Like last year I got a, uh, a mallard duck decoy 
The year before that, I got a wood duck decoy. And the year before that, I got some kind of duck that I never saw, like a black and white duck. I'm not sure what it was, but I got one of those. And like, dude, I, I, at, least, at least once or twice a year, I'll get duck decoys. I've got a little collection that I that I keep around. You can use that for your backdrop whenever you go to make one. I'm telling you, dude. Lucky Duck. I call them, every one of them's name is Lucky Duck. <laughs> like, there was one one time. We're driving down the lake. It's the original one. And uh, we're driving down the lake, and I tell Dad, I'm like, look, there's a duck decoy. And he's like, it is. And it's out in the middle of the lake. So, I mean, it's not like we drove over somebody's duck decoy. I mean, this thing's literally floating right. smack in the middle of the lake on, like, a Thursday. You know what I mean? And so, we roll over there. We get it. We throw it up in the boat. It had been tough all day. After we throw this this you know, fake duck up in the boat with us, dude, we start hammering them. Like, I'm talking catching the crap out of them. And so we coined it Lucky Duck. And that's what low Lucky Duck was, was just a duck that brought us some luck. You need to start bringing them on a boat with you. Just keep them on I'm a boat. you a little boat master. Oh, I got him. I got my Lucky Duck in my boat. So Lucky Duck, one, stays with Dad in his boat. Lucky Duck, two, or three, I guess at this point, stays in my boat. I got him in the front compartment. Put it on the front like a hood ornament. There you go. Yeah, stick him up front like an old Dodge hood ornaments, like back in the day. <laughs> just stick him. Just I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna JB weld him right to the front. That would be awesome. Uh, that's great. That is great. Do you do y'all have any like you know in Louisiana we have a different name for everything than the rest of the country? Do y'all have anything like that in Tennessee that you would call something that other people don't? Huh. That's a good I, question. What made me think about did. that? is I was watching a video and I think the guy was from Alabama and he uh-huh. had another name for a bowfin. We Mudfish? call it a shoe pick. I, if that's what you call it, we call, we call see, it a bowfin. I, I forget I, what he called it. See, I called them mudfish. I always known them as mudfish because first time I ever caught one was in Michigan. And I told Ben, I said, I want to catch a mudfish. And he's like, what the hell's a mudfish? And I was like, you know, those things that, look like snakes but they're not like it looks like a snake head but it's not he goes oh you mean a bowfin yeah. i was like i guess i don't know what it's called that's called mudfish yeah, but we, we don't them- have them in east tennessee they're out in west really? tennessee but they're not in east tennessee yeah like they i don't know if it's just we're just a high enough in elevation here you know with the mountains and all that we don't have them. like we don't have them in east tennessee anywhere but you can cross right over into north carolina and they're in north carolina but they're not in east tennessee it's really weird. That's interesting. I would imagine, I would think those would be some pretty hardy fish because they look like dinosaurs. Like, I mean, it's good. Yeah. That's crazy. It's weird. I don't know why we don't have, uh, we do call croppers, cropped bass, or fish. That one that always gets people. Like, wait, what you call them? Like a, a rockfish. Like oh, R O C K fish. Yeah, like a rockfish. And we've always caught, like, I remember the first time I said I caught a rockfish in front of somebody and they're like a rock bass and i'm like no a rockfish like i don't know huh. what that is i was like a striped bass and he's like oh i've never heard him called that before but apparently we call them rockfish here but then like up in the chesapeake bay they call them rockfish up there too hmm we have it's so weird I, and that's not the same as a rock bass right no to, like a big i'm talking about like a big like 30 right. pound striper big yeah yeah we call those rockfish well, I know there's a thing they call a rock bass, and I think it's the same thing as what we call a goggle but I'm not sure if it's the same. We thing. call those red eyes. Red eyes. Yeah, red eyes. There's anything else? 
I have I have a term of endearment for a blue heron. I call him Stretch. <laughs> That's what he is. I got Stretch and the little Stretch, little Stretch green herons. So, or a human, or a dog, or all three. It was the wife and the uh, puppy. Come here, come here, Layla. Come here, come here, come say hello. Come yeah, on, you got it. You got it. There he is. And then, hey. hey. Hey guys, hey guys. <laughs> Am I talking to Mike? Hey, oh, hey how you doing? <laughs> hey, how you doing? Yeah, that's man, that's funny. my buddy. Oh yeah. I'm. I need to get him swimming because uh, he's gonna be my retriever, but it's got to get cold enough for me to be able to put him in that water with them alligators. Yeah, no kidding. Those gators he, are no joke. He might end the up just being a field freak. dog. I'll be honest, dude. Okay. Do we have a conversation about alligators? We had a conversation about alligators before I went to Florida, right? Or we had that conversation about alligators after I got back from Florida? Uh, I think it was after. What well, did I tell you about I know, the big one? I don't know. Tell okay. me again, because uh, my folks might not have heard it. Okay. Listen, y'all nuts. Y'all alligators ain't that bad. They won't touch you. They won't buy bullshit. Okay, we'll call, I'm gonna call. I'm gonna call y'all's bluff on this one. All right. So I went to Headwaters, which is a brand new lake in Florida. They just opened it last year, and like there's giants living in this lake. And so I went down there, and I'm guessing that those gators just hadn't seen people, and so they're they don't know to fear people. So when I went to St. John's River, all the alligators that I saw literally swam the other direction. Like I would be Mm -hmm. 100 yards away from them and they would go the other direction. Did not want anything to do with me. These SOBs on freaking headwaters, dude, it's like they wanted the smoke. They wanted to throw hands. Like they were like, who is this guy and what is he doing here? Invading his territory. Oh, yeah, dude. Like they were not scared of me at all. Like I literally... I went by one, and I'm in a kayak, mind you, not even a big kayak. At this point, my Hobie still had a hole in it, so I had taken my native. And so, like, I'm, I'm not even in my Hobie. I'm in this native. And, and like, this one, I pedal by it, and he just sits there and watches me, like, 10 feet away, just watches me pedal by and slips in the water right behind me. And then just kind of creeps behind me and creeps behind me and creeps behind me. Well, finally... I stand up and I'm like punching this grass mat. Dude, this alligator, I kid you not, comes up four foot off the back of my my kayak. Like he's just like, he comes up and he's like, hey. And I'm like, hey. And I take a dang gone ounce and a quarter flipping weight and absolutely pop this bastard in the head <laughs> as hard as I possibly can. And dude, he clears out so much water. I mean, dude, like, you know, obviously. It's a big alligator. He can clear out some water. He swims out in the middle of the channel and just sits there and watches me. Like, dude, they were they were not scared of humans at all. Like, they were actually curious. And, like, dude, when I hooked a bass, oh, I had, like, three or four of them swimming at me. They were like, oh, what's this guy doing? Oh, we're going to try to take this bass away from him. And I've I got wonder if somebody was feeding rod. them. Man, I don't know. I mean, it, it was right near the boat ramp, you know, because I didn't go very far away from the boat ramp, obviously, in my kayak. And so maybe they're just used to, you know, do bringing fish back to the, the ramp or bringing bait fish back to the ramp or something and dumping them. And they're just used to that human presence, maybe. But I can tell you, dude, these alligators were not fearful of humans at all. 
So you can tell around here, they got, I mean, like I said, most alligators will, will go under, go away, swim away from you, whatever, or they'll just sit on the bank and just not care. But when you go to a place where these swamp tours come through and they feed the alligators to get the alligators to come up to the boat, which they're not supposed to, but they do it anyway. You can tell. I mean, because I the other day I went down the canal for the first time and I knew there was um, some swamp tour that swamp tour goes there. And I went down to this dead end canal. And as soon and I'm in my boat, not a kayak. As soon as yeah. I stopped, the two alligators came from two different directions, came straight to my boat. And that was obviously that those got fed because every time they see a boat with people, they're getting fed. So like, that's hey, when it, that's when it gets here? dangerous. Yeah. Right. You start associating people with food, which is why they're not supposed to be feeding them. But yeah, no. that's like the old saying, a fed bear is a dead bear. A fed right. alligator is a dead alligator. I mean, it's just, yep. that sucks though, too. I mean, because dude, it's not that freaking animal's fault that somebody was making a stupid decision like that. You know what I mean? Yep. And I don't understand. Really I mean, people got them on video. This video is all over them doing it, but wildlife don't ever do nothing about it. Probably because, I don't know, maybe somebody's getting their palms greased or something. I don't know. Uh, dude, I actually had a conversation uh, last week on the podcast, and I actually got an answer, not from within the state, but actually outside the state. I got somebody that's willing to come on and talk to me about like commerce and you know when they bring these big tournaments in, you know how much money are they spending? What's the ROI on the money spent? And what are they doing for conservation? But I told my buddy, I said the fact that they won't answer the question makes me believe that they're doing something that makes it where the answer to the question that I would get isn't the answer that I would want to hear or the answer that they want people to hear. Because like I cannot get anybody to answer any questions about, you know, what kind of money goes back into conservation that's made from massive tournaments going in. And so there may be something there, you know, if there's a lot of commerce being brought in by these tourists feeding alligators and people who want to see alligators, there may just yeah. be some blind eyes turned to make sure that and people that, have jobs. And that's a big thing over here. I mean, we have in our area, just right here, I think we got three. Yeah. And I mean, they're scattered all over around here too. So, yeah, that's crazy, dude. That's what's so funny to me is like people, <laughs> if somebody was like, I, I seen a sign for an alligator tour while I was in Florida. I was like, I can take you on an alligator tour right now. I know one named Johnny that lives down here. He'll swim right up to the kayak. You can pet him if you want to. If he <laughs> takes your hands, not my fault, but you know. <clears throat> I, don't, I don't remember if we talked about it when I was on your podcast. Did I tell you about the the swamp tour that I went on with a bunch of teenagers from no. uh so we had a we had a mission trip, uh a youth group from Tennessee come visit our church. And uh they came to do some mission work right here around here and then you know, they had a free day, so they went on a, a swamp tour, and I went with them. And this is the first time I went on the swamp tour. The guy takes us out there, and there's this, I mean, huge alligator. He was anywhere from 12 to 14 feet. I mean, he was just, he was massive. And he's, you know, he feeds them all the time or whatever. It's on, it's on his land. And uh, he lets these kids go pet the alligator. No. no. Dude, this is, this is a wild no. animal. No. I, I don't mm-hmm. care how many times you've done it. It is a wild animal, and it's only going to take one mistake, and somebody's going to lose their life, and he's going to lose everything he owns. Like, why? Why would you chance that? I, dude, especially something like that. I mean, dude, that is a that is a swimming death machine. That's yep. what it is. It's a swimming death machine. People do not understand how powerful that creature is. Like, 
literally snap its jaws closed and twist, it'll literally rip your arm completely oh, yeah. out of its socket without and take your arm with it without a problem. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I couldn't believe he was doing that. I do. I just can't believe how big they get. Like that was what amazed me about some of those alligators that I saw. It's like, it's like you know you see them and like you see, them and you're like, oh, that's that's a big alligator. But there's something about those ones in nature, like that live out in nature and live in a natural habitat. I mean, dude, that one we saw in North Carolina, like I'm not kidding you, man. Its head was probably 20 inches across. I mean, it's huge. It's huge. Just, I mean, its head was as wide as my chest. Like, it's just like <laughs> there was there was a big one out where I used to go, where I go kayaking a lot, and he or she, I don't know what it was, I didn't ask, but uh, was up on, <laughs> he was always stay on the bank when we passed, yeah. never mess with anybody, and it it could have easily done whatever it wanted to my yeah. kayak. I mean, it was massive, <laughs> but it always stayed right there on the bank, never bothered nobody. But uh, I think they, I think somebody ended up ended up killing it getting uh yeah during alligator season infinite getting it which is probably a good idea because i'm talking this thing was massive yeah though so imagine this if you will a dinosaur okay you know how terrifying a dinosaur must have been i mean dude <laughs> not even a big one just like a medium-sized one like uh, okay now let's go let's go a big one let's go a t-rex Okay, sixty foot, twenty-five foot tall. He's ten tons. Most likely acted like a bird, like twitching all the time, eyes like looking at you and crap. Like literally, as it walked around, would probably shake the earth. Like I wouldn't go outside. There's no way we could exist with him. I mean, like because like even like a like a like a brachiosaurus, like your big plant eaters, big long neck dinosaurs. Do you know just how unconcerned they would be that we were there? We would be like ants to them. Like as we walk the, the, the sidewalk and like, you know, you see an ant, that ant is irrelevant to you because of how small he is. It would be the same for us in a big dinosaur. Like we would just be irrelevant to them. Just walking around, kicking over your house. Seriously, just walk through your house. Literally step on your car and not even think about it. I mean, dude, just like, it fascinates me to think. That's one thought that I always like get on and go down a rabbit hole of just like, what the heck would it be like to... to okay, Frank. Frank, I gotta, I, gotta, I gotta go here with you, buddy. I'm being a scavenger. I actually read a book. It's a, it's a recent book. I actually listened to the audio book. Yeah, let me. I'll actually tell you the exact title of the audio book. I would implore everybody to listen to it and or read it if you enjoy dinosaurs like I do and you enjoy history. Now I'm a weirdo. I I enjoy history quite a bit. So I mean, I I, I listen to things. It's called "The Rise and Fall of Dinosaurs: A New History of a Lost World." And so this scientist, he's a world-renowned paleontologist, and actually like was his specialty was Tyrannosaurus rexes. And he, there's a whole section of the book dedicated to dismissing the 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 idea that T Rex was a scavenger. What they think T Rex was more than anything was an ambush predator, just like an alligator or a crocodile, that they would sit and lie and wait and just wait for something to get close enough, 
and then rush out and they would grab it. And the reason that they think that is because of the way that its bones were structured and the way that its lungs worked and, and kind of through X-rays, x-rays and different CT scans and things that they've done of the skeleton, they figured out that the lungs operate a lot like any other animal with, that can like attack or move in very short, but just tremendous amounts of speed and energy, burst. like short burst. You know what I mean? And dude, fascinating. I don't want to give away the whole book, but definitely implore everybody to listen to that and, and just kind of hear like, dude, the T-Rex may have been way more savage than you think it was like you know it was a killer dude it may not there have was, just been a scavenger there was talk about that when uh the, the uh jurassic park movies were coming out and um i forget which one it was it might have been the second one when the t-rex they showed the t-rex eating on something that was already on the ground and another dinosaur came out and chased him off or fought him or whatever and yeah, i think that's yeah, when yeah. it was coming out that he was a scavenger and not a not necessarily yeah. a predator and all of that yeah yeah, like there's a lot, a lot of theory. I mean, obviously, it's all theory, correct? Like, we don't right. know. We never saw one. Like, you'll never know. But, like, just the kind of... In the past, like, five years, this guy really explained it in the book, like, the amount of, like, CT scans and PET scans and things that they're doing of these skeletal remains of these dinosaurs are starting to show them things that they never knew before. Well, another crazy one, and I, we've turned this into a freaking dinosaur podcast, but anyway... um. It was was I, like, I don't mind at all. Uh, so, like the large dinosaurs, like your brachiosaurs, your big long neck dinosaurs, forever they could never figure out how they got enough oxygen to even operate. And what they're finding out now is through some CT scans, they found some skeleton that still had like the chamber for the lungs, like hmm. intact. And so they figured out that these dinosaurs had multi multi chamber lungs that actually connected to their skeletal system. And so just like a bird has hollow bones, some of these giant dinosaurs had bone structures that, number one, were in a way that would support their weight, but number two, they could store oxygen in the hollow parts of their bones. And so not only were they putting oxygen in their lungs, but they were also putting oxygen in the hollow parts of their bones, and that's how they got enough oxygen wow. to be able to function. Yeah, how That's crazy like the, is that? Uh, like the uh, the giraffe has the extra valves or whatever because if he, the amount of pressure it takes to get the blood to his brain when he's standing up, if he put his yeah. head down, it would explode his head. So they has to yeah. like shut off some of the pressure. It's amazing. Yeah, it's crazy, dude. It's crazy. I love I love stuff like that. I am right with his other book right now, the Rise and Reign of Mammals: A New History. So I'm oh, I've got I'm it about thirty four percent listen. Yeah, I'm gonna have to get into that because I would I would eat that up. Oh, dude, I'm I love it. that and Jack Carr are my two uh, my two go tos right now. So we're getting close to the end. Well, actually, we made an hour. Uh, and you asked me a question at the end of your podcast about Bigfoot, whether I I, I believed in it or or whatnot. So I'm gonna ask yeah. you, what what do you think about the megalodon still being possibly alive? I think that there's 100% possibility that a larger than average predatory shark is alive in our oceans. And the reason I say that, here's the deal about our oceans. I believe that any, I believe that even your vastest imagination could probably not imagine some of the things that live in our oceans that we don't know about. We know more about the surface of the moon and now 
the surface of Mars than we do about the bottom of our oceans. There are hundreds and hundreds of species identified every day out of our oceans. And I'm just saying, man, something that big, you think, oh man, something that big couldn't hide. I don't think people understand how big the ocean is and how deep it is and just how many miles upon miles upon miles upon miles that you can go specifically in the Pacific Ocean and never hit land. And how little we've explored it. Exactly. So when you, there is a point in the Pacific Ocean that you are closer to, and I may, I may really jack this up, but I think it's, I think this is, it's correct that there is a certain point in the Pacific Ocean that you are closer to the moon than you are closer to a piece of land, I think is what it is. It's something crazy like that. And I have to look it up to totally make sure that I'm correct. Huh, let me, I, I don't know. I don't even know what I would type into Google to look that up, but I believe that that's <laughs> correct. That it's like literally you, if you were to launch from Cape Canaveral, it would be a shorter distance from earth to the moon than it would from this point in the Pacific ocean to land. If you watch Shark Week, you can see how little we know about the sharks that we do know about. All, right. all the research they're doing on great whites, they still, I don't think they've ever seen them breed. Oh, they still don't know. They don't even know where them. the breeding grounds are. It's crazy. Yeah. And dude, they tagged one. The Osearch boys tagged one that was like 20 foot long and weighed like 4,700 pounds. That's Jaws, bro. Like in the movie Jaws. The shark in the movie Jaws was 20 foot long. Dude, okay? I would take alligators over sharks any day. Dude, screw sharks. Oh, you want to hear a shark story? You want to hear sharks? Do tell. Do tell. Oh, oh, Lord. Okay. So I'm at Mar Beach. Like rainy day. Nobody's out on the beach. The waves are up like 10 foot waves, dude. Like they're just crashing. Well, me and my dad being the two very intelligent human beings that we are, decide to go get out in the ocean and ride a boogie board. Okay. Well, first of all, I don't think many people understand that sharks are most active when it's cloudy and the water's murky, and that's when all your bull sharks and everything gets out, comes, you know, around. But anyway, we're out there thinking, you know, you got a better chance of getting struck by lightning twice than you do getting dark ones. So they're boogie boarding and boogie boarding and boogie boarding, having a good time. We're standing there at one point, just kind of the waves had kind of chilled out a little bit. And we're just kind of, you know, riding the waves up and down, talking to each other, probably four or five feet apart, you know, close enough to have a conversation. And uh, you ever heard of a spinner shark? Mm, I have not. Okay. A spinner shark jumps and they spin. That's where they get their name. Interesting. I had to look this up after this happened to me. In between us, a spinner shark decides to launch himself out of the water. Now, when I say he launches himself out of the water, Vin, Vince, Benny, Benny, see, it gets me just all jacked up even thinking about it. I'm like, got coaches. <laughs> launch himself out of the water. Bro, he launches himself like six feet into the air. Jeez. Long enough for me to look up and register, oh my God, that's a shark. He hits the water and scrapes my leg literally 
look like I had fell and got like, you know, fell on a concrete surface and like scrape because, you know, sharks have rough skin. He scrapes my leg once he hits the water. Dude, let me tell you something. Okay. High stepping knees to chest disregarded my dad all right i left him to die i'll be totally <laughs> honest i left him to die all i said i said about 19 cuss words okay like there is still a cloud of profanity hanging over myrtle beach to this day dude i Jeez. was getting up out of there well the only person up on the shore was my now wife bethany girlfriend at the time and my uncle they're both literally laying in the sand crying. They're laughing so hard at me because, dude, like, I was gone. Like, I mean, I've never moved that fast in my whole entire life. But, I mean, dude, when you have a, a dad Jim's five, six-foot shark launch itself out of the water in between you, the only natural thing that you can think is, this thing's trying to kill me. But, actually, he was just doing what spinner sharks do. Spin. Are they chasing food when they do that, or is it just some random thing they do? Apparently, like, yeah, they're chasing food in some instances, but other instances they just like do it. Like when the water's rough, they'll just do it. They'll just do it, just do it. Hmm. And that's what he was doing, is he was just launching himself out of the water. That's crazy. Just so. have to change your shorts after that one. Dude, I I I, I said about I said about four prayers. One for forgiveness for everything that I'd said. And <laughs> another one just for thanking the Lord that he didn't get, get me eat by a shark. I mean, I had to change my pants. I I was sending smoke signals trying to tell people not to get in the water. I mean, dude, it was it was something. But then, like, the next week after that, I looked on the old search website, and there was, like, a 17-foot great white that had just been chilling. Oh, right lovely. The the entire, yeah, the entire time we were there. So, just, the ocean, Jeez. dude. Screw the ocean, man. Screw the ocean. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Well, an hour has passed, hour and 10 minutes, dude. I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah, so everything is under Alex Red Fishing. Uh, YouTube channels, Alex Red Fishing, podcasts, Alex Red Fishing, Instagram, TikTok. I'm on a little bit of everything, but if you want to watch some cool YouTube content, we'll say. I mean, I make some pretty subpar <laughs> decent videos, you know. Um, we go over to Alex Red Fishing, and then obviously my podcast, man. I'm really enjoying doing the podcast, and the podcast is growing like crazy. It's taking on a life of its own, and I implore everybody to go start a podcast because it's really cool what it can do. So you can go check everything it out, Alex Red Fishing. I appreciate it. But do we uh, – yeah, I say I, 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 there's 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 a lot of things that go on on that podcast. Like, I don't know. At, at some points, it just I, I lose control of it. So, <laughs> well, I would have started mine a lot sooner. I had a buddy that was uh, going to send me this microphone, and uh, I, you know, I didn't get it, so I had to to go get this. Oh one. yeah, yep, yeah. Well, yeah. you know, <laughs> welcome welcome to my brain, bro. I told you, like. You're lucky that I even know my own name some days, okay? Like, I apologize to people all the time. I'm like, listen, number one, I'm the world's worst communicator. Number two, my ADHD barely lets me, like, get through the day sometimes. And number three, I just forgot what I just said. And so, like, I may have short-term memory loss, too. I'm not really sure. Alex Alex sends me a picture of the microphone. Hey, man, I'm going to send this to you so you can start your podcast. I'm like, awesome. You want to know something? You want to know something? It's in a box somewhere around this house. Like, Wait, hold on a second. No, I'm pretty sure I sent that to you. I never got it. You said hold on a second. Hold on a second. <laughs> must be asking the wife.
I'm gonna have to ask her. Like I'm almost certain I sent you that mock. Cause you you were gonna send it and then uh you forgot you were going out of town. You said you're gonna get your dad to send it. And then that was the last that was the last I heard. That mock's not here. No, that mock's not here. I'm blaming this well, one on dad. I'm well, one on dad. I'll, I'll, I'll still be ready to uh, willing to receive it if, if, if you're still giving it up. This one here I had to yeah. get because my uh, my other road mic on my camera went out, so I got oh. this one. And when I was when I was uh, researching it, this one has a USB port, so I was able to use it for this. Oh, hey, well that's so. great, pretty cool. Well, let me find that and I'll send it to you. All right, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, a, you know, I'm a real good, I'm a real good friend. If you didn't know, just real good. Hey, um, going back to the furthest point, I don't know if it's you're closer to the moon, but it's the furthest point is known as Point Nemo, and that's twenty six hundred and eighty eight kilometers to the nearest piece of land. There you go. That's fourteen fourteen hundred and fifty miles. Let's see how far it is to the. How far is it to the moon? Okay, yeah, never mind. I was way off. It's 238,000 <laughs> miles to the moon, so I was way off about that. But but still, 1,400, 1,450 miles is a long-ass way from anything. So that's, oh, yeah. we'll end it. Yeah, I'm, I'll say nothing more from here. <laughs> well, it's been fun, guys. Thank you guys so much for being here on the live, and thank you guys so much for listening on the podcast. And uh, we'll catch you next week. <laughs>